Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week for Slater September, we have Cuffs with a K. And If Looks Could Kill, also with a K. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Can you guys see me? No. Uh, you want us to? No, I just, my webcam light is on. But I don't know why I didn't tell it to come up. Uh, we're technically video chat. So it's like trying... Just trying to show you guys what I look like in there. Like, no. I don't know. Do it. It's really Run. just my, it's just my sick hacks. It's my sick hacks getting into your computer system. It's awesome. Somebody decided to finally hack into my webcam. And they're like, oh, like, he's sitting there with a headset on, like some kind of fucking dork talking about Christian Slater movies. <laughs> hey, how else are you gonna spend your Thursday nights? Well, previous to this, I was watching the. Uh, Christian Slater guest appearance on Curb Your Enthusiasms. I was, that's what I was doing with my time before you guys called. It's probably good that this call started before I went down whatever rabbit hole that was going to take me down. Five five hours later, you're watching Alone in the Dark, crying. I feel like there's low risk. I was really pushing for that movie. Why? Why, Christian Slater? Why? No, absolutely not. I fucking... That's a really bad movie. That's what I figured. That's why I never watched it. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it once. That's enough. That one have like, what's her name? That uh, is it the dumb blonde girl that was in like American Pie. Movies? Tara Reid. She in that one? Yeah. And it was like, wasn't it like her and Christian Slater were scientists together or something? Is that the one I'm thinking of? Sounds yeah, right. it's real bad. I think I avoided that one on the basis of everything I just said about it. It's one of those video game movies that <laughs> were made that they didn't bother to like do any research into what the video game is or, or anything about the video game and then made a movie. Sounds cool. about right. Yeah. Well, there you go. You just Yeah, it was in his up. run his run of shit video game movies. So you didn't have to specify which which shit run him. I've heard a bunch of people argue that the what are they called the Rampage films or whatever are okay, but but that's a pretty hard that's a pretty hard bump to get me over if somebody's like oh it's this movie and it's all this stuff and it's directed by Yui Bull and I'm like nope 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 we're done so I, when are we doing I was, movie at Bull month oh god I, I no 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 so you just sealed it because now that's what Doug wants to do hey there did you guys kick me out of the call on purpose or what's that we didn't kick you out no. Brian just suggested we do a whole Yui Bowl month. That's not no. <laughs> well, but see, but Doug, this may change your mind. Noah 
said no like five times in a row and said he would hate it so where does it's not your... worth it <laughs> unless, unless we can find like eight Yui Bull movies that are not available for streaming in Canada so that every week I can just come on here and no one be upset if I watch it no, yeah, I, I, I would compare it to in uh, Saw 2 you know the big pit of like gross dirty rusty syringes that the person yeah. falls into yeah. it would be like you guys getting to throw me into that pit but then you have to dive into that pit yeah, it's, it's not worth it sure yeah I'm confident in that of all sure? of our theme of all the theme months I'm definitely going to override you both theme month is the one I'm just like are you sure I was going to say I'm actually hard pressed to think of any other director that you could possibly be like it's this or that and I would pick Yui Bowl. I can't think of anybody. Well, there's very few directors who are bad enough that you know their names. Right? Like most of the time you know the names of good directors or if you have seen bad movies you don't know that the director was terrible. Just kind of no. Maybe the witchcraft series? I don't know. It's like you either have to do an entire month of Yui Bowl or you have to watch the witchcraft series. One or the other. I haven't seen most of those. So. Well, of course not. There's 50 of them. So I don't believe anyone has. <laughs> Come on. Witchboard month? We'd have to figure out a way to combine it with some other series that has 50 entries. So like uh, we did with the Critters and Gremlins. The only thing that's close is the Godzilla franchise, and I think Witchcraft still has more movies than it. I'd have to sit down and look at it, but I, I think there's more. We could do, like, the Slumber Party Massacre series that sort of somewhat spun off into, like, Cheerleader Massacre and pretty much every movie Jim Wynarski ever made. I mean, you could do, like, the Romero zombie movies and all of the Italian spinoff zombie movies in Return of the Living Dead. All those Evil Dead, like twenty Evil Dead movies over. Well, we're not doing any of that. So now, now I kind of want to watch Return of the Living Dead <laughs> and Return of the Living Dead Two and Return of the Living Dead Three. Yeah, and then I'm pretty much done with that series. <laughs> that's <laughs> where the series stops. There's a there's a real sharp downturn right there after that third movie. I never saw any of the ones after three. So. Uh, your life is better for it. Yeah, that's the impression I got. I can't even remember what the fuck was the fourth one. The, one of them was Raved to the Grave. Or Raved to the Grave. But those two are interchangeable. Oh, yeah, it was Necropolis. Yeah, ooh, gets so bad. It's crazy, too, because three, it's like one, one of the best movies ever made. Two's pretty good. But then three's fucking awesome again. And then after that, it's a, it's just bad. Yeah. The rights for, like, part four, like, up for sale on eBay for, like, $10,000 or something. Yeah. It's something like that. Like, yeah. Nobody yeah, would the full, bankrupt or whatever. Yeah, the full the full film rights, and nobody would buy them. It's pretty fun. Necropolis? Yeah, it's Necropolis. is four. Film rights. Let's see. Oh, well. That's too much time. Googling it was too much time to spend on that movie. Like I said, that that franchise, write it out to number three, and then just walk away. Uh, But what franchise don't we walk away from? Christian Slater movies. That's what. Wow. Well played, sir. Yeah. Well played. 
not really a franchise. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Although technically he owns a police franchise. Oh, there you go. Um, don't even know. I don't even remember what year was it? Nineteen ninety? Ninety-one? Cuffs is ninety-two. Okay, Cuffs. Nineteen ninety-two's Cuffs with uh, Sub- Slater September star Christian Slater. Um, where apparently in San Francisco you can own your own private police force, uh, which apparently is a real thing. Yeah, it is at least kind of a real thing. I tried to figure out if it works exactly like it does in the movie, and I couldn't get straight answers from anywhere. Yeah, at least from the movie, it seems like you set up your own little police franchise. The police sort of have jurisdiction over it, but then, like, businesses and the community essentially hire you to be their police force and pay you to protect their businesses and whatnot. Yeah, from what I could read in the real world, it's they're almost like just a private security firm. They just drive around the neighborhood making sure that, and then they call the real cops if somebody's like breaking into one of the businesses that yeah. they have. And they have like they use like uh, citizens arrest authority if they actually want to stop. Uh, so in this this movie, we get Christian Slater. He's breaking the fourth wall a lot, giving us little asides and whatnot. Uh, we find out at the beginning that he's dating uh, Mila Jovovich, who in real life was 15. Which Fucking weird. Extra creepy. Well, she's like 17. I just did the math right before we started. She's supposed to be 17 in the movie, is that what you're saying? No, she was born in 75 and the movie came out in 92, so... Yeah, she was 72 when it came out. Apparently she was 15. I watched the uh, special features... And really? for her to be in the movie, one of the producers had to take her down to the courthouse so she could become emancipated. I just don't... I don't understand what the point, like... I was gonna say, that makes that whole that scene at the beginning of the movie with her and her underwear dancing around for 15 and a half fucking minutes of the movie for some weird reason. Weird. <laughs> it's just very strange. Apparently, they thought she was so beautiful that nobody else would do. So rather than, you know, not hire a 15-year-old for this role... Uh, we're just going to go ahead and do it. And help her did get you guys, before, before you started watching it, did you guys remember that she was in this movie? Yes. It's it's so fucking weird. I started watching it and I was like, wait, didn't she not exist before Fifth Element? Isn't that what happened? Like, she spontaneously popped out of nowhere? No. She had a whole career thing going on. Yeah, she was doing a lot of roles where she was underage and yet sexualized. An unreasonable amount. Yeah, she was a model. That's how she was already sort of able to get an audition and be. It's just weird that she was 15 and they went to this extra link that is like, you know, we could not do this and not, you know, waste a bunch of our time and just hire somebody who's of age. It it's strange because she's not that important in the movie. Like, the movie wouldn't be that different if you just stuck a different actress in almost any other actress in yeah i hate i hate to to ask the question but was harvey weinstein a producer on the movie <laughs> i i hate i hate to be the bearer of bad news but harvey weinstein is not the only bad guy in hollywood just so we're clear <laughs> it doesn't really matter whether it was him or someone else yeah um so we find out she's pregnant with uh cuff's uh baby 
because apparently in this world, people really do have the last name of Cuffs, spelled K-U-F-F-S. Um, Christian Slater is a... Uh, 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 slacker, a no good Nick. Uh, yeah. He pretty much lays out right after she tells him that he's gonna just bail on her, which I'm like, that's really shitty. That's he's the hero of the movie. Yeah, and not just bail on her; like he's gonna leave the country and just be like, well, ta-ta, enjoy our baby. Um, so. He, uh, I don't know, there's some, like, get-rich-quick scheme out of Brazil or something that he's wanting to invest he, in. Isn't he literally going to go and, like, dig for gold? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, of course, he goes and hits up his more mature brother who owns a uh, private cop business and tries to hit him up for money, to which he laughs at him and is like, no, I'm not good. But tells him he should just come work for him, but, you know, he won't do it. And uh, he's sort of about to just bail on everything, but his brother goes into a church, and uh, this uh, guy that leads a gang of thugs kills him. And it turns out everything was left to Christian Slater, who then takes the opportunity to try to figure out why his brother was killed, who's behind it, and how he can uh, bring them down. And hijinks ensue, all while breaking the fourth wall. So, Doug, I know you're apprehensive about watching this movie. I was a little. And it, it started with you reminding me about the fourth wall breaking. I'm like, oh, yeah. That's got me nervous. Because <laughs> early 90s action comedy with fourth wall breaking does not sound appealing when you say it out loud. How, how did it end up for you? I'm kind of iffy on this movie. I, okay, if I'll say this, if you're going to have someone break the fourth wall, Christian Slater's the perfect guy to cast. Mm-hmm. And we, we sort of touched upon this in our last show when we were talking about to Pump Up the Volume, which is just basically him monologuing to the uh, an unseen audience for you know most of the movie. Here, you've got him turning and speaking into the camera like that. Like, yeah, he's got the charisma and the personality and the delivery to pull that off. Still not sure I think it's a good idea, but at least by hiring Christian Slater, they kind of covered it up. Yeah. He's a very charismatic character. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the first five minutes of the movie, he tells you, oh, I got this girl pregnant. I'm going to skip the country for some get-rich-quick scheme. Uh, so that's going to be... And he literally is telling you, like, directly to your face, like, this is what's yeah. going to happen. And but somehow he still comes like, across as likable. Yeah. 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 So, I'm, what's that? Uh, I was just gonna say, I'm I'm pretty sure at some point somebody walked into an office in Hollywood and did an elevator pitch in which they basically said, "Have you ever seen Say by the Bell?" Yeah, Zach Morris, played by Christian Slater, is a rent a cop. And they went, "Okay, yeah, let's go make that movie." <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because it's interesting that you make that comparison. Because. The next com- the complaint I have, my biggest complaint about the movie, actually applies to Saved by the Bell as well, oh, <laughs> which I hadn't I hadn't thought of that until right now. But every now and again, this movie that's going along being like a, a relatively like standard comedy action film by '90s standards, right? Every now and again, they just throw in a ridiculous Looney Tunes moment mm-hmm. for 
to the point of having like the Looney Tunes music or there's that one scene where the cuffs um, drugs the cop that's supposed to be monitoring him so that he can you know be free to go investigate his brother's murder when he's been told not to and you get that scene on the stairs that's like 10 minutes of him like kind of falling asleep on the stairs and it's like there's literally like the noise in the background whenever he like falls and stuff and you're just like what the fuck is happening when did I when did I turn off my Christian Slater movie and turn on Bugs Bunny like it's so out of place and it's ridiculous and it's not funny at all Mm. it's like and so it's just like that was gonna be my biggest complaint about this movie is the tonal shifts are crazy and out of nowhere there's the other one where like in the car they start yelling at each other and they start using curse words and all of a sudden the curse words are being bleeped out in funny ways or okay so that's i will say that of all of those moments that's the only one i actually enjoyed because you can tell it's it's literally them going okay it's a pg-13 movie but we're just gonna bleep them all out except for one because that keeps it pg-13 i mean on a meta level, I understand why that's funny, but when I'm watching the movie, it that scene is just so out of place compared to everything that's come before it. Yeah, what I read is that was purposely written because the movie was supposed to be PG-13 and it was yeah. giving a finger to the MPAA. No, and, 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 and fine, I... but it's like, why in this movie is that is that going to be your go-to joke? Yeah, like that that could be funny in a different movie. Um, and, and like it was obvious what they were doing it's just I don't know why you're doing that it was super weird um, you know because you expect a certain amount of tonal shift in this kind of a movie you anticipate that you know there's going to be lots of humor in the earlier parts and then the climax is going to be more action movie oriented right but not such jarring twists in the nature of the film it's just it was unacceptable what about you, Noah? Uh, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's it's a fine movie or whatever. But my, my problem is everything this movie does. There's other movies that do it better, so I would rather watch those movies. Like the stuff with the dogs, kind of funny. But I've seen Turner and Hooch. Turner and Hooch is a better fucking movie. <laughs> like, why, why wouldn't I watch that movie instead? Well, yeah, and in Turner and Hooch, there's like a plot relevant reason why he has this dog all of a sudden. Right. That's the other thing with this movie, the dog reminds me of it, is there was a lot of really, really dumb plot points thrown in. And so for the dog, for example, the dog, he has it to go sniff out a bomb because the dog is trained to sniff out anything illegal. So it's literally like, it's it's not trained to sniff for drugs, it's not trained to sniff for bombs, it's trained to sniff for anything illegal, and it eventually finds stolen artwork because it knows the difference between the smell of stolen artwork and artwork that you acquired in a legitimate fashion. That doesn't make any fucking sense. It's really, really dumb. No. And it's just like, like that's not how, like, I understand that police use dogs to sniff things out, but they're, they're sniffing for a specific thing, not just find me something illegal. Dog's name was, should have been Deuce, as in Deuce Ex Machina. Yeah. It's just frustrating. And there was another moment, too, that was just, like, equally dumb, which was when when he first gets to the police station to identify the guy who shot his brother, and 
there's like, well, wait, did you see him pull the trigger? No. Well, then he's just going to say he didn't do it, so we won't bother to even investigate further. <laughs> it's like, what? So a known criminal was found standing over the body of a police officer holding a gun, and you're going to cancel the entire investigation because there was no eyewitness that came forward in the first 30 minutes that you were investigating. You know, you know what the <laughs> sad thing is, though, Doug? Uh, this this movie takes place in America, and I don't know if you know anything about our judicial system, but that sounds about right. They would offer that guy a plea deal. They'd be like, you plead a second degree carrying a gun and you get one day. I don't know if I agree with that because he killed the cop, right? But we didn't see him pull the trigger. I, I, no, I think No jury on the face of the land will convict him, Doug. I think you. I think. I think. Even I, I recognize. I, I have access to the news. I know your country has its issues. I think even there, if it's very obvious that you killed the cop, they will at least investigate for an entire evening before giving up. I think you're also assuming that the real cops would think a rent a cop is a real cop. Well, the implication in the movie is that they respected him and were happy to work with him, and that's only when Christian Slater takes over that they have a problem. That's the impression I got from the movie. I have no idea what that would be like in the real world. So yeah, it's just lucky. I agree with all these problems. I still had a lot of fun watching it because of pure nostalgic value because I used to love watching yeah, it. Yeah, and, and I remember liking it as a kid a lot more than I liked it now, but there's definitely still a lot of fun to be had with the movie. We're saying all the negative stuff up front, yeah. but there are some like genuinely funny moments like he keeps trying to make turkey for people and it keeps backfiring and that's just funny like the first time I'm like well why is he carrying a turkey and then it gets run over by a truck and you're like well you probably shouldn't have been carrying a turkey into your fake police station like this and then like when it happens again later in the movie he's preparing turkey again and you're like and the ends of it is shootout it destroys the turkey and I'm just like oh you're having no luck with turkeys man <laughs> get some Cornish game hens or something because this is not your uh, this is not what you should be cooking well and it's one of those once again it's a random finicky plot hole that it's almost as bad as uh people who are gun nuts complaining about guns not being historically accurate in movies but I'm going to say cooking a turkey takes a real fucking long time <laughs> yeah like you don't you don't show up with a turkey and be like hey let's go to my house and cook this turkey it'll be done at midnight you know what I mean? that's <laughs> not the way cook, turkey cooking works well and, and not only will I agree with your point but I'll add to that why would this total slacker character know how to make a turkey like it's not an it's not the kind of it's not pasta that everybody knows how to make when you turn 18 and you gotta figure it out the first time it's a turkey like a, and then the second time when he's doing it it's like a full turkey dinner with all the fixings and you're just like I, I don't think this guy knows how to do that <laughs> he was homeless for a brief period in this movie and if his brother hadn't been murdered he still would have nowhere to go he's just living in his brother's apartment because his brother got killed <laughs> I mean the worst the worst part of that scene is he's throwing the corn across the room into the pot for some weird reason, and he's got an open box of Stouffer stuffing there, and he's just slushing that gross corn water all up in his fucking box of Stouffer stuffing. Like, the whole time I was watching, I was like, what are you doing? You're ruining everything. It's because he does everything. He's sort of, like, dancing throughout everything he does. 
it starts with that opening scene where he finds out the, about the pregnancy. They're all they're like just dancing, to- and like Christian Slater's just topless. And then there are multiple other scenes where like when he's cooking or whatever, he just seems to be doing it with like that rhythm, where it's like why. Why do you feel the need to like samba while you dance and while you cook? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and I keep hey, trying to it place it. And I'm like, I'm trying to place it. And I'm like, it's 1992 though. Like, never mind had been released at this point. <laughs> this is not what was cool at the time. Uh, he's a quirky character, Dick. I get that. <laughs> and I also do recognize that this movie is not meant to be taken overly seriously and it's not meant to be set in necessarily what, what we would view as the real world right it's it's meant to be a bit fantasy yeah. so all this stuff is pretty forgivable yeah the thing I, mean, I, lo- he- I actually loved about this scene is of course he has a shootout kills the guy and then people keep showing up at his apartment stop <laughs> and keep answering the door i like the part where he tries to he's like why don't you guys just go to the back bedroom for a second? And they're like, what is that, a body? It's like, ah. I really it's, like it's that. It's all very funny. Is, is he dead? God, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Christian Slater quips in this movie are fantastic. Yeah. And again, he's just being Christian Slater. He's not, I don't know what you would call what he's doing in this movie acting, but I don't care. Right. It's... <laughs> I don't think I've ever realized before exactly how Zach Morrissey Christian Slater actually is. But once it's, he starts talking to the camera, you're like, oh, yeah, that's that's basically what he is. He's yeah. just Zach Morris. Yeah, how come he didn't do that timeout thing before he started talking to the camera so nobody would hear him? Right? He, he could have not got shot in this movie by doing the timeout thing. Yeah. I mean, and then but, there's the... There's the great scene where he earns the respect of one of his employees by challenging him to a fist fight and then immediately cheap shotting him by kicking him in the balls. <laughs> yeah. Hey man, they never laid out any ground rules. Yeah. Right. I just I feel like I feel like in a normal story scenario that wouldn't work out the way it did. <laughs> no. He's no. probably going to be upset about getting kicked in the balls. Huh? Well, I don't like look, I'm not uh, great analyzer of human behavior but I think almost every man throughout the history of time who's been kicked in the balls was angry right afterwards that's, now, that's my experience I was going to say usually you're angry like 10 or 15 minutes after the fact because immediately you just slowly melt to the ground and curl up in a ball Yeah, it's, yeah. The, natural, it's the natural human reaction but then you're angry at that person from the time you're able to recover to whenever that person dies. Like, it never, I don't think you ever get over it. <laughs> never, never ends. Every time so, you see him, you're like, that person kicked me in the balls once. Fuck them. Oh, yeah. Uh, good lord. I had another scene I was going to talk about, but the kicking in the balls scene made me lose, lose track. <laughs> How about talking to just now I'm just randomly picking ridiculous scenes <laughs> how about at the end towards the end when the the land developer who's been behind everything that the bad guys have been doing this whole time when total, he uh, uh, total Lex Luthor land grab scheme yeah when, when he just when he figures out Cup's big secret that he technically never graduated high school and therefore is not allowed to be the owner operator of a private police force um I think technically he could own it, but he couldn't be out on patrol. Okay, but, still, but so he, I, your point. he 
He brings the cops in to have Cuffs arrested. And on the one hand, the cops are super apologetic because he's earned all their respect at this point. So they're all like, oh, we're sorry we have to do this to you. But on the other hand, they let the evil villain character have some time alone with him first to make fun of him for getting arrested. (laughs) Wait, what is going on in this movie? You're like, I don't understand. Like, sorry, man, we have no choice but to arrest you. And according to this weird quirk in the local statutes, we have to let the guy who reported the crime come in the room, tell you you're going to be arrested, and mock you openly for a few minutes first. (laughs) Yeah, like, what is it? (laughs) The end of this, end of the movie of Mallrats when fucking Jason Lee's going to go up and punch Ben Affleck in the stomach. And the cops are like, hey, you can't do that. He's like, come on, just one. He's like, well, all right, make it quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is kind of that moment. Ironically, I think the age difference between Ben Affleck's character and Shannon Doherty's character in Mallrats is less than the age difference between Cuffs and his girlfriend in this movie. So maybe the Cuffs wouldn't have liked him. Mm. Gross. Uh, so, <laughs> one, one of the fun pieces of trivia, I guess, is uh, after this movie throughout his career someone on a red carpet asked him asked Christian Slater if there was one movie that uh, they could ever do a sequel to that he was in which one would it be and without even thinking he's like Cuffs really he apparently loved doing this movie and was sad that they never got to do like a sequel or anything for it Cuffs part 2 well it would have been a fun movie to make I suspect Mm. like he just has to be himself look all cool and then and like all cool you should also point out that he constantly wears a leather jacket over his police uniform to prove how much of a cool guy he is um <laughs> like just like the Fonzie from the 90s um but yeah like he just he does all cool stuff he gets to shoot a bunch of people you know make out with underage girls all the stuff Christian Slater <laughs> loves doing so uh, that's still so weird and, and I think I think when this movie came out that it was really well liked. I think like it's I'm just happened to have the IMDb page open in front of me and it's like 5.9 out of 10 stars but I think if you had looked it up in 1992 it was much higher. I think you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it appealed to a it appealed to a certain audience that doesn't seem to exist anymore which is like you know 10 to 12 year old boys who would have been watching these movies that are clearly like identified by the rating as only available for kids that are older than them so no they wouldn't like when I watched this movie as a kid I certainly didn't notice all the stuff I'm complaining about now I just mm-hmm. remember he was kind of a cool guy and he got to shoot the bad guys oh yeah you know I never, I never would have been like wait a dog couldn't find that art like you know it never occurred to me <laughs> No, we just would have been focused on how hilarious it was that he was talking with tape over his mouth, but the subtitles were still reading yeah. correctly of what he was talking about. Yeah, that's a that's a great joke. <laughs> in, 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 you know, a Bugs Bunny cartoon, again, that would be a great joke. Yeah, you're probably right. I don't know why they put those subtitles in. It would have been just as effective to have him just trying to scream through duct tape, and we don't know exactly what he's saying. <laughs> Just not like, not like he was no some idea. clever message. Like <laughs> he starts howling with the dog at one point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like how much you enjoyed the fact that he howled with the dog. 
Eh. Like I said, purely nostalgic watch. I had a I had a great time watching it. Did we mention the buddy car part was uh, played by the bad guy from Ghost? <laughs> Ted. It's the only. It's the only thing that actor will ever be. He is the. He is the bad guy. I, for the movie. I was trying to figure out who he was the whole time, and it never occurred to me that he was from Ghost. Now I can't unsee that. Right. It's hard to recognize him without uh, fighting invisible Patrick Swayze and getting drugged to hell by ghost midgets. Yeah. He does have a fun subplot. The whole thing where, like, at the beginning of the movie, he's, like, in trouble because he was sleeping with the chief's wife and he's now he's been suspended for it and then he borrows her car, but it turns out it was the chief's car <laughs> and it gets shot up. It's... That's a fun little, like, running joke throughout it. <laughs> it's the chief's car! It's melting. And then it turns out at the end, Ted was the one who ends up hopping up, running off to Brazil with the chief's wife to yeah. dig for gold, apparently. Was that a thing in the 90s? Was there, like, a gold rush in Brazil that I don't remember? I don't know. Let's take a look. Let's Google. <laughs> You're going to Google rush. that one? Gold Rush, Brazil Gold Rush 90s. Let's see what happens. Put 1990s because I don't want to be misled by some article you find. <laughs> oh, I didn't even complete it, but it, uh, one of the options popped up. It's a Brazil Gold Rush 1980. Oh. So maybe the script took some time to get developed and it was yeah. more timely in the previous yeah, one. Well, like it's 92, it's still going on. Yeah. Nobody bothered to double check. They were busy dealing with they're busy dealing with getting a an actress who wasn't born yet when the gold rush was going on permission to be in their movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't see much much info about it, but it looks like apparently there was something in the eighties. I just have no idea what it was. All right. Fair enough. Uh so would we say recommend or not? I mean, if you like Christian Slater movies from the 90s, it's a good reason to watch. <laughs> it basically fulfills every quota from from the... Right, the, right. It, hits, it hits all your... It, che- it checks all your boxes. But besides that, I wouldn't say it's not the best Christian Slater movie, and it's not the best cop movie from the 90s, so it's kind of like a middle-of-the-road man movie. Yeah, like I wouldn't say don't watch it, but I wouldn't like if if you watch like a trailer for this movie and you think, oh, that's not for me, it's not going to be for you. Um, It's not. There's nothing great about the movie. There's lots of fun to be had. You kind of just have to be a Christian Slater fan, or else you're not going to like anything about the movie. And you really got to turn your brain off at the door, and then you'll only get mildly annoyed by the tonal shifts. But, um, you know, yeah. sometimes it's fun to watch movies like this. I don't regret watching it. Yeah. Or, or if you're if you're wanting to watch a movie with uh, Mila Jovich uh, prancing around half naked, you should probably watch Fifth Element That's so, so that you're not a fucking pervert. Yeah, just <laughs> anything after Resident about Evil. 1995. She's naked at the end of Resident Evil, so... Well, there you go. Um, yeah... I mean, I, of course, would recommend it because I enjoyed watching it, but I know it's pure nostalgia. So, yeah, like Doug said, watch the trailer, decide if it's for you or not, and whatever decision you make, you're probably correct. 
Um, so we're going to follow that up. Doug, do you want to tell us about If Looks Could Kill? Starring the one Richard Grieco? Yes. <laughs> um, that tells us a lot right there. So Richard Grieco plays a 35-year-old high school student who has failed French. Got a comb his uh, forward because you don't want to see his receding hairline. You're right. So, but uh, he's failed French, so therefore he has to go on vacation to France, and then he'll get a French credit for that somehow. Sure. But it's not even, they don't even go to France. They're kind of just touring Europe. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but whatever, there's your your stupid setup is that they're going to go over there. Uh, it turns out that at the same time, there's this weird, like, this movie is weirdly, it's like pro-Brexit propaganda from 1991, <laughs> where there's like this weird guy who works for the uh, EEC, which is the uh, mm. predecessor to the EU. Um and he's going to try to take over all of Europe by getting all of the countries to put their gold in the same place and then melting it down and just making his own coins and being like, there, that's the currency for all of Europe now. You guys don't have any gold left, so what are you all going to do about it? Which is not how things work, but okay. Um, so the in the process of doing that, that guy has murdered all of the... European secret agents, I guess, so they have no choice but to call in an American one. And wouldn't you know it, the American secret agent getting on the same flight as Richard Grieco's character has the same name. They get mixed up, and so when he gets to Europe, he is uh, pulled aside and given like a cool car and put on this mission to try and figure out who's been killing the agents and what the plan is behind it. Uh, then I don't, yeah, what the fuck? That goes on for a while where he's just, like, driving around in the car, accidentally setting off bombs and stuff. And meanwhile, the rest of his class is trying to figure out where he is. Um, surprisingly, Spider-Man Far From Home actually borrowed a couple of elements from this film with the class on the bus, and the bus driver keeps getting switched out and taking them to the wrong spot because they uh, have to fulfill the uh, needs of the uh, mission. And also, he just keeps accidentally blowing shit up because he can't. He's trying to roll down the window in a car, but he's too stupid to do that, so he sets off uh, missiles. And it ends in this... It ends in this pretty ridiculous uh, climax of they're like going to lower his teacher into the melting gold. He has to stop it and stuff. So I'm going to take from your tone that you were not a fan of this movie. Oh, I was not a fan of this movie. I... <laughs> I this movie was... There, I don't think there were any jokes in the entire movie that I laughed at, so I'm not sure if it was intended as a comedy. Um, and none of the action really worked. And Richard Grieco is not a guy I want to watch on screen for an hour and a half, but this movie made me have to watch him on screen for an hour and a half. Yeah, but <laughs> if you can get past Richard Grieco, you get to see like Linda Hunt kill dudes with her whip necklace. Yeah, I don't know. See, that would be funny for a scene. But and, it keep, and it Roger Daltrey playing a secret agent for some fucking reason. That's the yeah. most random part of this whole movie. I'm like, is that the lead singer from The Who? What the fuck is happening right now? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, how did you feel about it, Noah? Uh, I had a pretty good time watching it. Apparently, see, I thought I hadn't seen this movie before, 
but apparently I have because it was one of those weird like uh, it was almost like having deja vu while watching it. You know what I mean? Like I, I could, right before something would happen, I'd be like, "Oh yeah," and then that happens. <laughs> like like it was pretty much the moment that you the first time you see Linda Hunt pull off her weird necklace whip. I was like. Okay, no, that's real familiar. I've been here before. <laughs> There's no way I'm mistaking this for something else. Was it uh, another one? Was it the scene where he thinks he's going to get laid and that chick gets a scorpion down the back of her nightgown and he just thinks she's really horny, but she's actually dying? <laughs> right, right. And then she gets fucking rocket launchered. <laughs> Did you guys stop enjoying yourself somewhat <laughs> discussing this movie? I just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest, Doug. I don't know. Like, yeah, Richard Grieco is fucking terrible. Like he's Richard Grieco, but this movie exists around him, and everything around him's awesome. Did you know this is this is like the last not directed video movie that Richard Grieco ever did? After this one, they're like, no more, sir. Well, I'm pretty sure this <laughs> is the on- only one he did. <laughs> But I mean, besides besides that, I I don't know. It's it's a fucking it's a silly, crazy movie for preteens about a weird James no, Bond fantasy. See, and that's, that's the problem. That's the problem I think with this movie is that it's not for preteens, and it should be right. If you look at, I mean, one of the writers is Fred Decker, right? Mm-hmm. And if you look at the the director, I don't know his name, but I looked him up, and he did like Harry and the Hendersons and stuff. This should be a fucking kids movie, and as a kids movie, because I think wasn't there like wasn't the Malcolm in the Middle guy? Didn't he do like a movie where he was a spy? Agent Cody like, Banks. I I accept that. Um, <laughs> like if you took it, but... if you if you took a kid that age, right, and you had a lot of the same stuff happen right you have him you just go oh he got bumped up to first class and isn't it funny that he got put in first class when he's 15 and he's they're trying to figure it all out like all this stuff could be a cute kids movie that i wouldn't necessarily enjoy but it would be at least i would understand that there are other people out there that enjoy those types of movies like kids for example and i feel like this by aging him up and adding in the sex stuff and all that, which I guarantee you, because of who, because of who was hired to direct, and because this is a story by Fred Decker, I guarantee you this was intended for younger actors. This was intended to be a kids' movie, and then they're like, no, 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 we can take this and just make it into a a movie for an older audience, and they fit that. I don't know. See, I think you're looking at it wrong. I think you're looking at a four-year age difference the wrong way because this isn't it's not a kid's movie it's not a four-year age difference it's a it's, movie it's an 11-year age difference between how old Richard Grieco in this movie and how old the <laughs> that stars in it should right. be it should but be I, like graduating saying, this is a this is a movie for like 13-year-old boys who want to see tits and sports cars but aren't old enough to get into movies with tits and sports cars so they went and saw this like <laughs> Does that make sense? I remember seeing it in theaters in 1991 and not liking it then. So, hmm. I think my biggest complaint about this movie is the title of the movie. The title of the movie doesn't make any fucking sense. No, it doesn't. That's because it's. You'd think the movie would be that he kind of looks like the spy, and so everybody gets him confused. But they just have the same name. It has nothing to do. 
what he looks like. So what the fuck is the point of the title of this movie? The fact is, he looks like a 35-year-old, and he's in high school, so that's why everybody believes he's an older spy. Is that that supposed to be the joke? (laughs) I don't know. Andy always looks dirty. Why does Richard Grieco always look dirty? Like, has anyone ever noticed that? Yeah. He always has, like, a greasy feel to him. Right, right. Uh, It looks like, like his hair's gross. Mm-hmm. And, like, you're assuming he's not wearing deodorant, even though it's on film, and you would have no way to know that. Yeah. Probably has an STD or two. Right. Mm. Yeah, again, like, I think they were going for slacker high school student, and what they got was, you know, slacker high school student who's in his 30s and still living the slacker high school student lifestyle, and that's no longer appealing on any level. Because I, I don't want to see that. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, th- I, th- I just think this this ought to have been a kids movie, and it's not. And when it's not a kids movie, then I can't forgive it all the ridiculousness that goes on. Come on, Doug. He he accidentally blows up stuff because he's trying to turn trying to roll his window down. Yeah, but <laughs> like the I mean, the, uh, the thing the things are marked. That's okay. That's how that, stupid this movie. I love that I could say that, and I just wait, and then I hear, yeah, but. <laughs> okay, but hopefully, our, hopefully our listeners haven't sat through this movie and are going to now know better than to sit through this movie. Don't listen so to that. Let me, ex- let me explain what goes on, though. There are the normal buttons that you use, which are on the door panel that for putting up and down windows. Those are there in this car. Then there's another center console that you have to specifically open up, where every button is marked what it does. Those are the buttons he switches trying to get the window down and accidentally shoots off missiles and blows things up. Well, it, I don't remember the exact wording on those stickers, but I think it might say, do not flip this switch. This will set off missiles. This is not the switch for the windows. The switch for the windows is over where it is in every other car, you fucking idiot. I think that's what it said on the little label. Now, if you remember, he was pushing all the buttons on the on the door and the window wouldn't go down. So that's when he started trying the ones on the console. And he's driving. He ain't got time to read labels. (sighs) (laughs) Hello, I am the new bus driver. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, the French French teacher becoming an actual revolutionary? Come on, that's great. See, there's potential for funny there, but not in this movie. And the reason is because it should have been a gradual transformation, right? I don't know. Like, like I said, I had to, the only thing I don't like in this movie is Richard Grieco. Everything else is awesome. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I just I don't think anything in this movie worked for me. Mm. Again, I don't think it's, I would have liked the kids' movie version of this either. I just think I would understand that there is an audience for that. I don't even understand how you guys joined anything about this movie. <laughs> I was going to say, plus, it's kind of funny watching it because basically you watch it and then you go, oh, yeah, they, they like Austin Powers before Austin Powers was Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that movie's super fucking derivative. Are you just figuring out that Austin Powers is derivative of movies that came before it? Well, I'm no. I'm sure that was the whole point of that movie. I, I'm, I'm saying of that style because there, there have been other comedy spy movies, you know, spies like us, shit like that. But they all kind of have a different feel. This one pretty much 
feels like dirty American Austin Powers versus British swag Austin Powers, if that makes sense. But Austin Powers as a movie had jokes in it. Doesn't that make it very different from this one? Mm. <laughs> he had jokes, uh, combat condoms, and he couldn't get the condom little can open because the little key didn't work. Yeah, that's a that's a fun joke. We remember when the last movie when we complained about having fucking Looney Tunes moments show up. In this movie, we're just we're accepted. We're expected to believe that in the middle of this fancy hotel, for some reason, first of all, it's it's a fancy hotel that just has condoms in the room. I, I don't stay in a lot of hotels, but I've never been in one before where they just provide you condoms in every hotel room in case you need them. And then I really. I don't think I really think there are even fewer hotels where they would put those condoms in like fucking tuna cans and you gotta figure out how to get them open before you can use them like, what the fuck was all that going on I don't I, you keep saying all this stuff like it's a negative yes it is it's so funny it's not the best part is I thought this movie was just okay revisiting it from my childhood but listening to Doug get so mad about it has made it so much better. Oh, I was I was angry watching this movie. I was like, "Fucking these guys!" <laughs> uh, and then, oh, I, when Fred Decker's name came up too, I was like, I got angry because I'm like, "Oh, what?" I guarantee you, because it's like a story by Fred Decker, so I guarantee you this is not what he intended. I've seen what that guy can do. I can only, I'm just so glad nobody, like, grabbed his Monster Squad script and, like, put 40-year-olds in those roles before coming in, because that would have ruined that movie, too. Uh, Y'all are crazy. Any movie where Linda Hunt offs a guy is a good movie. Again, that's a funny one-off joke. The problem is it happens, like, ten times. And you're like, it stops being entertaining. Eyes. Uh, come on, you didn't enjoy the end when he uses his suction sneakers to try to walk down a wall? No. Oh. They're the checkoff sneakers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was annoyed by them when they introduced them, and I'm like, I can't believe they're going to bring these back, because they're clearly going to bring them back at the end of the movie. Come on, x-ray specs that just see through clothes? Again, look, what you you saying x-ray specs that just see through clothes is funnier than what actually happened in this movie. <laughs> Well, sorry, Doug. Stay tuned next month for Richard Grieco Month. There will be no... I don't, can you do a Richard Grieco Month? We'd have to be doing individual episodes of 21 no, Jump Street. It's just four weeks of If Looks Can Kill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just want me to quit. Just tell me to quit. <laughs> uh, all right, does anybody need a break? No, I'm, right. no, I'm good. Uh, right. We do have one piece of feedback. I forgot to have it pulled up and ready. Is it people bitching about the fact that we're a week late with this episode? It's not. Oh. Yeah, schedules... Nobody, nobody, nobody cares that we missed nope. a week. Schedules did not line up last week. Just did not happen. So, you, you all got a week off in the middle of our... <laughs> in the middle of our signet... In the middle of our signature month. Yeah. The only tradition we've managed to keep every year. And we screwed it up. You're saying that like it's a bad thing. No, it's really, in all honesty, we did the listeners a favor. Give them time to emotionally prepare for this bullshit that you guys made me watch this week. So does that make you even matter? Like, 
you had to wait a whole another week to tell us how pissed off you were about this movie. Kinda, not really. <laughs> uh, be like those fucking guys. I wanted to yell at them. I didn't even get a chance. I yelled at some people about, at work about this movie. So. <laughs> You're like Ted. You got to bring horror etc. back. I can't do this anymore. So maybe watch it for <laughs> killed. That conversation may or may not have happened. <laughs> Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Okay, we got a uh, email from our good buddy Taro Kent. As soon as it opens, there we go. Um, he sent this last week, but we didn't do a show last week. So he says, "Hey guys, after last week's episode, which would have been our last uh, episode of Howard Gist, no, pump up the volume. Sorry, so we've been off too long. I don't even know what episodes we're doing." Um, so after last week's episode, I had a couple takes to share that may not be popular. One, I was never a fan of Seymour, Philip Seymour Hoffman. He played a smarmy asshole too well for it to just be talent. There were only three times I enjoyed his performances. Along came Polly. The mattress commercial from Punch Drunk Love where he falls off the stack of mattresses. And the scene in Red Dragon when he's rolling down the hill in a wheelchair on fire. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Two, I agree with Noah about movies that glorify war. If you don't mind really old movies, try All Quiet on the Western Front. It's a mess. Its message is very anti-war. I hate the way the U.S. military propagandizes, especially how they target children. A few weeks ago, I went to the Indiana State Fair. They had a superhero theme. Among the Marvel and DC characters, there was a booth showing how cool in quotes being in the Army National Guard is and how they pay for your college. Between this and the amount of money spent on sport, at sporting events, I'm getting sick of it. In my opinion, the best way to support the troops is by getting into fewer wars in the first place. Alright, that's enough yep. of my bullshit. Take care, Kent. Hot takes, guys. Yeah. Do you guys all want to get into a political discussion with <laughs> Kent's opinions? <laughs> <laughs> That yeah, never I mean, gets us in trouble. I don't no, agree with them. Well, no, I mean, I mean, on the on the on which point? Uh, I always find it uh, uh, weird and uncomfortable when somebody agrees with me. Oh, luckily that is not enough. <laughs> I do think, like, I think what Ken did inadvertently was bring up what I what was agree with me from last week, where I was trying to explain to you, Noah, that not all movies about war are glorifying war. Some of them are actually anti-war, and yes, they do show that. And they do show the, the negative impacts of this. And I think those are the ones where I can kind of get behind. So he mentioned All Quiet on the Western Front. Like, that's a very anti-war movie. Yep. So... All right. I might I might own that one. I don't know if I've ever seen it. I mean, you should watch it. It's good. It's long. 
I won like five years ago at a convention. I won a giant basket filled with war movies. <laughs> Your favorite. It's kind. A, yeah, and so I have this huge shelf of war movies that I've never unwrapped. That seems about right. Um, all right, and then uh, Chris, who I believe is the first time Chris has ever written in, uh, says hello. Your boy Chris from Port Hope made it into It Chapter Two. I was the paramedic in the oh, ambulance. Nice. Mike walks past near the beginning, and I also played an extra at the carnival. Nice, show, Chris. Good for you, Chris. I'm, I'm super happy to hear that for him because he's always uh, he's always posting pics of uh, the stuff, the filming shots and everything on Instagram. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he quite cleverly made up a uh, Discover Dairy Instagram since they shot it in his hometown and is just randomly taking pictures of his town to uh, pass it off as Dairy Maine. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm assuming both of you guys got out to see uh, part two. I did. I did not. No. We're not going to be able to have a big old spoilery discussion because of Doug. You can... I, I mean, I've seen the original movie and I've read the book, so you can probably here's, go ahead here's here's a good spoiler for you doug they spend a lot of time in this movie joking about how people didn't like the ending of the book and so they switch the ending in the movie and it's worse the ending of it part two is not good my favorite thing was everyone kept teasing saying oh there's a great there's an awesome cameo there's an awesome cameo and then i finally i said to somebody like just what is it because i don't and cameos aren't something I get excited about so like oh it's Stephen King I'm like he's in all of his own movies why is that exciting to people like I guess these people have never seen any movie before now I that really weirded me out well there is an awesome cameo in it but it wasn't Stephen King there's another one yeah alright yeah I don't know honestly I sure uh, so towards the beginning of the movie, uh, Ben, who's now you know famous rich architect, yeah, is doing a Skype call with a boardroom full of stuffy suit type people. Yeah, and one of the characters is standing up, sort of directing the whole conversation about the building that they're building, and the guy that's standing up played young Ben in the original It miniseries. Oh, I like that. It's nice. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have recognized him if I... Oh, I didn't recognize him the first time. I saw a like, so. post about it online. I'm like, holy shit, that is him. That's kind of nice. I like that. Yeah, so. yeah I'll be yeah. honest. Like, I, I rewatched the the 2017 hit. Um, As did I. With the plans of going to see this one in theaters and... Like, I think I've told you guys, I'm not as much a fan of it as everybody else is, and I, my biggest complaint about it is I just think it's way too long. I think they should have streamlined it a lot more. I don't think you need to go to the same haunted house twice in the same movie, basically. Um, and just realizing how much longer this one was, I just, I mean, I'm not saying I'll never see it, but I don't know if it's a theatrical one for me. I might have to be wait for that to show up on Netflix and watch it here where I can pause it and stuff. Because I just I don't know what it is. Like it, I like almost everything in the movie. It's just there's too much of it. Mm. Like maybe if there was 
one another review I heard of it suggested that maybe they should have edited down the number of people in the Losers Club so that we had fewer stories to tell and then it wouldn't feel so uh, I, I, yeah I think that would cause an uprising yeah. seven. lucky seven come on I don't know I for for me like the like I said the first one was just it was just too long it was just too much of the same thing kind of over and over again like here's a scary thing and then he transforms into a clown and then you go tell your friends what you saw and then we'll do that with the next guy and the next guy and the next guy and at, at some point it was I think when when I realized they were going back to the same house twice I'm just like that you could have told this same story in a quicker fashion and yeah, I don't know enjoy it more uh, if you want at the end of the show me and Noah can, can tell you all the stuff we didn't like about it Sure. Yeah, do you guys want to? I mean, most oh. of the most of the things I have to complain about it aren't really spoilery things. Yeah, I have some. Well, why don't you give me your pros and cons in a non-spoilery fashion, and then at the end of the show we'll do it in a spoilery fashion. Uh, okay, pros: they do not pull punches on uh, a few really brutal moments <laughs> that you're like, oh. <laughs> Was wasn't expecting it to linger quite that long, you know. <laughs> which which that's always good. Like I said, the the biggest con I have is the new ending is not it's not good. That's it's a bad it's a bad ending in pretty much every way it could be a bad ending. It's it's cheap and cheesy and boring and stupid. I don't feel like there's a good ending to be had for the story, film wise. Yeah, I almost I, I was kind of hoping because they almost foreshadowed uh, the possibility that it was going to end differently and like everyone was going to die. And you would and, like, sweet. And that well, that would have been a better ending by far. Well, yeah, I mean, that would be a neat idea would be to have these characters have to come back together and then sacrifice themselves to. Right, kind of save the planet or save the town or however you want to word it. Right, and I think that's I think that's it. R- really, that ending is the is the the clincher what killed it for me. I also feel like for some reason this one wasn't as effective as the first one. Because mm-hmm. like, probably just because you've seen everything before, right? I I don't know. Maybe there, uh, there was something about the tone or the the way the the scary moments worked or something. The the first one. I felt like they did a pretty good job of like building up some dread and and shit, and then I feel like this one that was missing. It's the same director, right? Yeah, but I, I think it might be. There's, there's I think maybe like the director of photography or something like that was different, and I was hearing that that might have a major impact on the movie. And that might be like the kind of thing where you can't quite place what it is. It's just a little off and doesn't quite work as well as the other movie well okay some of the pros for me is Bill Hader's awesome as I expected him to be um I feel like across both of them the Richie Tozer character is really like the one that seems to shine the most uh since we were talking about sense of dread and stuff whether it's there or not I will say that I do not feel the chemistry between the adults is as good as the children and it's weird because this movie is almost as long as the complete miniseries from the 90s but I yeah. feel like the adults are less uh, filled out yeah 
than they were in the thing. Like, we don't even find out Beverly is a fashion designer until, like, way after she got back to Derry. Which isn't, like, a plot point that you really need. But, I mean, in the miniseries, they at least took time with each character before you see their life turned upside down and they have to go back to Maine or whatever. Right. And somehow in a long ass movie, they skipped a couple things from the book that I was like, why the fuck did they skip those? You know what I mean? And they skipped them to cram in a bunch of irrelevant shit that's not in the book and that serves no fucking purpose. Yeah. So I just, I feel like the story, the, the chemistry and like the characters themselves were not as well drawn as the first one. Which really, if you think about the original miniseries, I always felt that the kids' version, the kids' section was always stronger than the adult section anyway. It just, they sort yeah. of have the same problem, but didn't do it even as well with the adults, like chemistry-wise and stuff. Now, uh, the other thing I was curious about is the kids are in the new one, right? Yeah. And doesn't that, I don't know, doesn't it feel like their story was told? Like, do we really need them in it, or is it just because they want to tie it back into the other movie? They add some I feel like... elements, but that's another problem I have that I will talk about in spoilers. Yeah, like, I, just, I mean, obviously I haven't seen the movie yet, but I feel like you have a three-hour-long movie, and they're going to add in the kids from the original movie. You, you edit them out, and you just have just the adults. You have one movie that's just the kids, and one movie that's just the adults. It, to me, would make more sense. But, again, I haven't seen it, so I can't really... Yeah. comment on whether it works or not yeah, yeah I don't know they made uh, like I said they they made a couple interesting changes to characters that I don't I don't really have any complaints some other I know some other people are butthurt because they <laughs> changed some well, things but I thought some people were... want want every movie they see to be a direct like page for page adaptation of the source material and mm. it's never going to be so no. and I mean nor would you necessarily want it to be when your source material is a 1200 page book that has a child orgy in it like you know you're gonna have to change some things you're gonna have to alter the way things go i i will say i've uh, my biggest complaint about other people's complaints which that's that's ridiculous but it's a thing (laughs) is so the opening scene of the movie is a scene from the book in which it has to do with uh, uh essentially a hate crime that kicks everything off i mean that's Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are complaining and talking about how it's just unnecessary and it's just played for a cheap scare and stuff. And and I, I sat down with a table full of people who were all saying that, and I had to, like, shut them all up and be like, you guys just don't get it. Like, most of you have never read the book, and it's the idea of it's not just the clown, that the whole town's bad. and then. Mm-hmm. And that it's it's the idea of it seeping in, and yes, a lot of people are becoming victims, but then other people are becoming victimizers. That's why fucking uh, Bowers lives. That's why it didn't kill him because he's a useful bad thing to make people miserable. Like I, and they were like, oh yeah, and I was like, didn't you take two fucking seconds just to think about it before you were like, oh, why did they put this in? Yeah. And plus, he yeah. feeds on fear and he is spreading fear throughout the town in one way or another. Through, like, this whole hate crime 
spreads fear, you know, amongst the people who are getting, who are on the receiving end. And then, I don't know, I guess you could say also the perpetrators, sort of their fear of different stuff. Like, that's another, you know, type of fear. That one's not nearly as succinct or whatever. I think the, the fact that it's seeping into the town and making them more hostile and whatever right. is, a, is a better way to put it. But it's just, it all deals with fear. Yeah. And there's different ways well, to incite fear among people and they don't they don't seem to get it why like this happened. And it's like you're right. Not. And the the biggest complaint seems to be who the victim is. Mm-hmm. And and one of my big complaints was all these people saw the first fucking movie and not a one of them, not a one of them bitched about what Mike goes through in the first movie. So you're perfectly okay with that type of victimization, but then it's a you know your your chosen minority that gets the bad end of the stick, and all of a sudden it's offensive. It's like that's not the fucking way things work. The movie isn't acting like it's a good thing. The whole point is that it's a bad thing. It's awful. Yeah, <sighs> that's my two right. cents. I'm just I'm sick of people complaining about stuff like that. Can we? Can I also complain about what people are complaining about? Yeah. Yes. Because the one thing I keep hearing is people saying, like, that certain things in the movie don't make any sense that are clearly a result of the magic that exists in the story. Hmm. Right? Like, there's people saying, like, oh, these people don't remember any of this stuff. I've heard that complaint, which is obviously ridiculous. Obviously, <laughs> obviously that's part of the magic. But then I've heard, like, that, that one is... I don't bother to respond to those people because you obviously don't get it. But I've heard people be like, well, it seems like a weird coincidence that all these people went off and became successful somewhere else. And I'm like, no, it's not a coincidence. It's part of the magic in this thing. It made it so that its strongest enemies would be far away and not remember when it came back. And it's only because they're called back, I assume by Mike in this version as well, mm-hmm. that they're able to remember and able to reestablish that. But that's that's all part of it. It's all part of this weird, like, nondescript magic that exists. And it's it seems like everybody complains about all these things, and I'm like, you know, you're, you're not getting it. And they're like, oh, the townsfolk aren't doing anything about it. Right. Because of the evil magic that has caused them. Not like it's the same answer to all the all the criticisms. And I'm like, I obviously these people shouldn't be watching horror movies if they're not picking up on this. And it's very frustrating to me. Well, and there's the idea of if you're the type of kid that's brave enough to go into a sewer and literally fight an immortal demon clown, you you probably have the uh, balls to make something of your life afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I I guess I could see that they didn't make a very um, good explanation of why they forgot and all that stuff. Maybe just since we know the story, it didn't bother us that much. But it, but it seems like a weird I, thing to complain about in a movie I, where a clown that can change its shape and eat children, that's what they're focusing on yeah yeah i don't know just i find it i I obviously again i haven't seen the movie i shouldn't be commenting at all i should just be letting you guys talk and staying out of it but i'm not good at that (laughs) um but i just feel like it's like uh, you have to be able to read into the story if you're going to go see a movie like this Mm -hmm. and you have to be able to i don't know i 
know not everybody's read the book. I know a lot of people don't have any interest in going back and revisiting the 90s TV series. I understand why. But at some point, you have to be like, yeah, there's... It's the same thing with, like, you know, Pet Cemetery. Why do people keep burying somebody there? That's part of it. It draws them in. They don't need... They shouldn't need to hold your hand and walk you through that. Uh, well, Noah, did you watch anything else? Like I said, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll do a big spoilery talk at the end, because I do have some complaints about spoilery stuff. Yeah. Uh, I watched a few things, mostly TV shows. So, after the announcement of uh, the Shang-Chi movie that's going to happen in a couple of years... I went and watched uh, Kim's Convenience, just like a Canadian TV show about uh, All right. a, a Korean family that runs a little downtown Chinatown convenience store. Because uh, one of the, right. the one of the actors from that's playing Shang Chi, so uh, it's fucking hilarious. I really liked it. Doug, have you watched that one? I know it's a Canadian I, show. So. Yeah, I've not seen it. Yeah, it's a. It's pretty funny. It's one of those ones that I'm watching it, and it makes me uncomfortable because I'm laughing at stuff, and I'm like, I don't know. Is this racist? Like, the entire the entire cast of the show is Korean, but a lot of the jokes are, you know, ha, ha, ha. Listen to him talk in his funny Korean accent. And you're like, mm, this feels racist, but I don't know if it's racist. I feel like it's... Uh objectively speaking yeah that's racist but it i don't know and, and maybe this is because we're in canada and we just people get along better up here but it's like sometimes sometimes people speaking in a funny accent is funny well and yeah it is that's fun. that's just yeah like it can be racist and funny at the same time right? yeah like there's there's an episode that's about uh Oh, fuck now I can't remember what the term is I think it's Don Ping or something like that so in Korea there's this thing that children do where it's kind of the equivalent of an American person giving another American person a wedgie but instead they kind of put their hands in the prayer position and just jab the person in the asshole essentially <laughs> and usually hard you know what I mean hard enough that it hurts and there's and the basically the whole episode's about it because all the white people are like that's sexual harassment. And he's like, no, we're friends, and it's just a it's a Korean thing. It translates to I guess the if you translate the words, it means like poop needle. <laughs> and he's like, it's a poop needle. You just jab your friend in the ass. And they're like, uh, it sounds sexual. And they're like, no, it's not sexual. You just you just take your fingers and you just jab them right in the asshole. <laughs> Well, what's funny is that there's an episode of Trailer Park Boys where one of the Trailer Park Boys gets arrested for sexual assault, and it sounds like he was doing pretty much the same thing, except he referred to it as checking his oil, as opposed to <laughs> right. his poop needle. Right. But, so, it's a good show. It's worth a watch. There was only three seasons of it. It's pretty funny. Uh... And then I watched a bunch of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because I'm trying to get caught up since it's going to be coming to a close. Mm-hmm. It's That's still... I, I, yeah, and it just... It kind of got better with time. It's one of those ones that every time I go back to it, I'm like, oh yeah, I need to quit giving up on this because it really... It, it's like a roller coaster of a show. It gets it gets a little bad sometimes and then it kind of comes back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's more... Gone, it's gone like full boat on like the cosmic aspect of it right 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 good so they don't have to compete with the movies anymore 
Yeah, I was a little I was a little upset that they did Ghost Rider and they did the shitty Ghost Rider that I don't like. But by the end of it, you kind he's pretty good. I don't hate him anymore. So good uh, show. Right, right. Is it? It's going to be animated, though, right? I don't think so. I, I thought that's what they said. I thought it was going to be animated, but no, maybe I don't know. The the guy yeah. that played him though is still playing him, so yeah, that's good. Uh, and then the most important thing is uh, Dark Crystal came out. Did you guys watch Dark Crystal? No. I have not seen it yet. It is uh, a fucking work of art. Like, they... Uh, the stripy pajamas and uh, uh, the Jim Henson company, you know, did all the, the effects and stuff for it. And they put so much fucking effort into making it look and feel like the movie. It's ridiculous. And of course now there's there's some CGI, but the CGI is more uh, accent stuff. Everything's practical, you know what I mean? And then they just kind of layer a little bit of CGI on top of it to give it a little depth or do something that they can't do with the puppets. And man, it looks it looks real fucking good. And that voice cast is fucking ridiculous. It's like all the people, uh, including Mark Hamill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gotta get Mark Hamill. He's uh, he's been not so subtly promoting the fact that he's in that. <laughs> right. Social media. You guys have seen the movie before, right? Did we do the movie on we the show? On the we show. did it on the show. Okay. Yeah. 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 So the 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 scientist. So the the Skeksy who goes, yeah, yes, vital essence. That guy, mm, that's yeah. that's who Mark Hamill is. So you get to hear Mark Hamill screaming vital essence every ten seconds. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> it's pretty good. But yeah, uh, that one's a huge recommend. If you if you like puppets and shit as much as me, which there are people out there that do, you got you got to get on that shit. They changed a little bit of the continuity, which made it weird, but I, I suppose they did it so that they could tell a story that made sense. Because the kind of the cosmology of Dark Crystal doesn't make sense if you really think about it for too long. So, yeah. Speaking of the Henson Company, I learned a weird fact this week. Oh, yeah? Um, so, Vince McMahon... Yeah, okay. Uh, That's an interesting way to start a discussion about yep. puppets. Shit's, shit's already gone off the rails. Go ahead. Uh, apparently he's not impressed by very many people. So whenever they've had, like, guest hosts and stuff, like, doesn't care. Doesn't, you know, he'll shake their hand, say hi to them. They'll do what they do. Whatever. Not a big deal. Apparently, though, he thinks of Jim Henson as a true pioneer. Just an all-around creative genius. So when the Muppets hosted, he actually requested to get a picture taken with the Muppets. And it's the only time he's ever done that with any, <laughs> any guest host they've ever had. All right. I thought that was pretty interesting. I mean, I probably, like Vince probably McMahon too. <laughs> now all he has to do is start uh, paying his workers like they're fucking employees. <laughs> right? Yeah, that'd be nice. You rich piece of shit. Uh, Doug, did you watch anything? Oh, yeah, we had like two weeks, so... I know. 
bound I to have watched Instagram stuff. filling up. Yeah, I'm checking it right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we already talked about it. Um, speaking of stuff that's probably a little too long for its own good, I finally watched uh, Blade Runner 2049, mm-hmm. which I have to say I was surprised by how much it tied back into the original movie. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize how intertwined the plots would be. But I will say it is probably the best example I can think of ever of a movie that recreates like the atmosphere from the original after like such a long break. Mm-hmm. And they just they really did just pick up and set you back in that world. I thought they did a fantastic job of that. Um, and it's not just the special effects or just the way things look it's the way things are shot it's the atmosphere they create it's the pacing which I, I had a problem with the pacing in the original and I have a problem with the pacing in this one um, well, would, you know what I mean which, which version of the original you watched probably See, I don't really I, I actually kind of enjoy it because I like the sprawl of it the way it kind of like the story I, just kind of spills outward instead of uh, I don't know. What I love about the first Blade Runner is the world building. I find the narrative is not strong. And to a certain extent, I feel that way with this one as well, which means they did a really good job of making a sequel. Um, (laughs) Because it's... I do find, like, there's a lot going on where I'm like... They set something up, and I'm like, oh, so the big reveal is going to be that. And then you go, well, there's two hours of movie left, so that's not going to be the big reveal their big reveal will be the opposite of what I've already figured out. So, um, it, And you're just like, okay, well, that's now I know all that. Now do it all. And then they're like, yeah, we're going to wander around for a while first, show off some technology. And I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll get to the story eventually though, right? Like, So I, I thought it was I thought it was okay. Or I would even say good, um, but way too slow. And probably could have just like I say, same thing I feel about it. Where it's like, I don't know what I would cut out, but I know it should probably be a shorter movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of, I will say, I kind of felt the same way about it as I did before I watched it. Which is, oh my god, this is going to be beautiful. But do we really need a sequel to Blade Runner? And then I watched it, and I'm like, oh, that was beautiful. Still don't yeah. really know if we needed a sequel to Blade Runner. <laughs> no. Um. And I guess if they were going to make a sequel, if they could have done something completely different, like a a standalone story that took place in the same universe would have been probably more interesting to me. Mm -hmm. I I was going to say, I would have been way more... Prometheus when they did that. I would have been way more interested in a story that had more to do with, like, the androids on one of basically, like, the slave colonies. Yeah, like, what if there'd been, like, a slave uprising, but it's it'd be an interesting discussion to have where you're like, okay, so what if this is a slave uprising, but the slaves are technically machines or technically not human. So then do they have the rights? And Which side of this revolt are we on kind of thing as an audience? That'd be an interesting discussion to have that we just don't get to have in this movie. But I don't know. I did think the performances were outstanding. Um, Ryan Gosling's good. Harrison Ford's pretty good. Everybody else is also very good. I, was gonna, I, I got a question Lito for you. Yeah. Did you ever, of all the years of watching professional wrestling in your life, did you ever imagine a day when you go, 
Holy shit, Batista's actually a really good actor. It never occurred to me that he'd be a good actor. <laughs> but he's... The thing, and I was actually going to bring his name up specifically in discussing yeah. the act, the performances in this, because not only is he good, but he's good doing something I've never seen him do before. Like, it's completely different from his wrestling character. It's completely different from his Guardians of the Galaxy character. He's doing a whole other thing, and he's doing a really good job of it. Yeah. He's playing this, like, subdued farmer character for people who haven't seen the movie. It's, And I'm like, he's impressive in it. Um, you know, yeah, there is like he does have a, a fight scene, um, but I'm like, it's still I, I I was caught off guard by how good he is in it and how much, despite the fact being a giant human being, he's able to play this more subdued character and this kind of meeker character. Mm-hmm. I'm that's I'm hard I'm, to pull off when you're him. I'm really kind of hoping uh, that Hollywood recognizes what a treasure they have in a giant fucking monster of a human being that's a good actor and that he becomes the new generation uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger type character where they just start throwing shit at him. <laughs> you know what I mean? I would love, I would watch the shit out of a Conan movie starring Dave Bautista. Yeah, from, what, from what I read in the interview, he's really not interested in doing stuff like that though. He's like, like he doesn't want to mimic The Rock's career where The Rock just you know, does all these giant action movies? Like he actually wants to be known for being a good actor. Which yeah, I'm I was going to say he, he could do both, obviously, but he seems really interested in like character stuff rather than. I was going to say, movies. but the, the difference is the Rock isn't a good actor. Like he's Shut not. Your mouth, Sir Dwayne he's, Johnson is a treasure. He, that's fine. I mean, that's <laughs> fine that everybody loves him, and and I think I think he's very funny. But he's not a good actor. He's no, not, he's like his he's serious a charismatic fucking suck. Yeah, yeah, he's a, yeah, he's a charming person who's great in mindless bullshit movies, and that's that's wonderful. Everybody should enjoy his mindless bullshit movies. But Dave Bautista clearly has some acting skills, and that I'm more interested in. Yeah, yeah, I read. Uh, like I said, I read an article about him talking about that. And then in that interview, he apparently said that he, after he left wrestling the first time, he actually ended up going broke because he just was not making any money. And he could have done, like, action movie after action movie, but, again, he didn't really want to, like, do that. He wanted to actually refine his acting and become really good and just do stuff that people didn't expect, a la Blade Runner 2049. And now he's actually, you know in demand and does very well and you know isn't broke ass anymore right yeah I'm just, I'm just saying action movies with good content because we don't get that anymore I don't mm-hmm. feel like it's either mindless bullshit action or like weird boring cerebral movies and there isn't a lot of stuff that hits that good middle ground yeah Continue on, Doug. All right. Um, next thing I watched, I was finally able to get uh, get my hands on some copies of In the Flesh, which was recommended to us um, a few weeks back by one of the listeners. Do you guys remember? I said, "Don't worry, it's on Amazon Prime. I've already put it on my to watch list." Mm-hmm. And then uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this on mic before, but when I went to watch it, it's only available on Amazon Prime in French. 
in Canada for some reason, despite the oh. fact that it's like a BBC original program. <laughs> <laughs> like, so you just took out the English? How do you... Assholes. Damn, um, Canadians. But, I find, yeah, so I finally cracked it down. Uh, the, and I watched the first season, which is actually only like three hour-long episodes. Um, basically... It's post-zombie apocalypse. They've found a cure for zombieism, and they're trying to reintegrate these cured zombies into British society. The I think the really obvious metaphor they're going for is kind of the conflict between the Irish and the British and the cooling down of that and trying to get everyone to get along again, which kind of goes over my head because I don't know much about European geopolitics um, but the show itself is really good like the performances are strong there's a lot of stuff where like, somebody who's like anti reintroducing the cured zombies into society there's, a, there's a, another metaphor that they bring up which it sounds an awful lot like they're talking about drug users where they're saying like well how can we let somebody who did this terrible stuff just come back and just live on our streets and stuff and people are using the old like well they weren't themselves at that point and now that we've given them the medical, medical attention we need we have to give them a chance to move forward um, so it's kind of a really interesting discussion that goes on that way and they do I, I think they do a good job of yeah they've got these horrible people saying like well I don't care that this person was you know themselves can turn into a zombie and had no choice but to eat people so they, they should just be killed off or whatever but then you've also got people on the, the other extreme who are saying like fuck this, my natural state at this point is zombie. I'm not going to take some drug to make me act like the rest of you. So they want to basically be allowed to continue eating people. Um, and they're, they're, you know, some of them refuse their medication and stuff like that. So you do kind of get kind of both sides of the argument, which is a, an interesting thing to have happen in a show. It's not as just preachy and one-sided as you would expect it to be. Um, and, you know, you also get like, okay, so all these guys that died in the zombie fighting, whatever, some of them are coming back and people are against it. But you actually then get, like, a soldier who died fighting in Afghanistan who is then came back to life as a zombie and has been given the drugs and is secured. And obviously people treat him very differently. And there's that whole interesting element of they're saying, well, this is a totally different thing. You know, he died off fighting our country. If we can find a way to bring him back, we should. But the, the other people, we don't want to. And then there's a whole relationship that exists between him and the main character where they were friends in real life. And they're both going like, like at one point, they're both in like a bar. And the newly cured zombies are all being shuffled into like a back room. But that guy, the, the one that was a soldier, he's allowed to hang out and kind of drink with everybody else, and he ends up going, like, no, like, that's my friend. I want him to come out here and see me kind of thing. And it ends up being a this whole plot line involving that guy's dad, who leads a resistance that's trying to stop the reintegration of the cured zombies. He's now, well, now, now that his son's one of them, and he's doing, oh, that's a totally different scenario, so I'm just going to justify it because it's my kid kind of thing. Um, which is probably exactly what happened in real society. So anyways, like, I'm rambling on, but the point is I really liked it. I'll probably have just as many kind of things to say about season two whenever I can get my hands on that. 
but uh, yeah, it's if you're at all interested in the subject matter, I would definitely recommend watching, even if it is a bit hard to find. So, um, and then I don't know why, but for some reason I watched the. 1971 film Get Carter starring Michael Caine and I don't have an explanation as to why I did that so don't ask any follow up questions uh, it's actually pretty good it's uh, Michael Caine plays like a British gangster the movie opens up with basically like his brother who lives like in another town has been killed and he's it, it, the room opens up on this group of like clearly gangster looking guys they all got like suits on and stuff talking about like he's like I gotta go up there and find out what happened and the other guys are going like you know you don't go up there and cause trouble we have agreements with the people who run that town kind of thing and you can't be messing it up and then it's kind of it's very typical gangster movie stuff where he goes up and he starts to make himself known and they start trying to run him back out of town things get violent we find out the secrets of what his brother was involved in different things but it's different from most other movies you've seen because it's British so first of all even the gangsters just they don't all just have guns on them there aren't huge shootouts all the time there's a lot of like if one guy in the room has a gun he immediately can kind of take control of the situation because nobody else is packing which I found like really interesting yeah that is interesting and it, it it leads to a very like a neat dynamic where when you, you've got those situations because you'll see the any gangster movie is going to have like the two guys where there's clearly a lot of tension between them and they're sitting there having that conversation and normally speaking you're waiting for that to erupt into violence at any point in time but in this movie you kind of know it's not coming because what would violence be like it's two British guys wanting to slap each other to death. Like it's, you know, um, it, it, it changes everything when you have that sort of less violent culture, but you've still got the organized crime element. You know, so I, I don't know. It's it's a very slow movie. Not a lot happens in it. It's mostly talking. There's a few weird reveals and stuff that go on, but you just kind of have to buy it and settle in to watch it. I ended up enjoying it quite a bit. I imagine that. My, my description of the I assume the Arnold Schwarzenegger or, sorry Sylvester Stallone remake is completely different I don't know that for a fact but <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing this isn't what they did in that like whatever that was like the late 90s mm. and then uh, so then because I was interested in old movies at that point I tracked down the original Cape Fear from no. I think, yeah. 62 which I think I told you guys this back when we talked about the, the remake uh, that basically I've, I've been wanting to sit and watch this movie start to finish since the 90s when I first saw the remake and it's like I uh, finally got around to doing that um, plot line wise it's very similar to the to the remake you know guy gets out of jail the his history with the lawyer guy is a little different but you know either way he blames that guy for him being in jail and then it just kind of the tension just kind of gradually builds but I do find so this movie is like like it's from 62 so it's a weird era of filmmaking where they were telling more complex stories than they were in like the 30s 40s 50s but in a lot of ways they were still using the same filmmaking style and I find it it worked perfectly for a movie like this because those scenes of two guys like 
sitting down and trying, like, kind of being fake civil with one another really suited well to that atmosphere of, like, we're, for whatever reason, in these types of movies, everybody's wearing a suit all the time and stuff like that. It kind of really suited well. And the acting style of the day really suited those types of scenes well, where they're just sitting there kind of threatening each other, but never using those words. And, you know, the level of violence is obviously subdued because of the time frame when it came out and stuff. So, um, yeah, and, I mean, the two leads which are uh, Gregory Peck and Robert Mitchum, who I don't really know either of those guys very well. I've seen Mitchum in some stuff. I think this might be the only thing I've ever seen Gregory Peck in. But they're both fantastic. And Mitchum especially is just... He does that job of just... Same thing that De Niro did in the in the remake of just... Even though he's not really doing anything, you can just tell he's an evil son of a bitch. You can tell that like at some point in time, he's going to do something absolutely terrible and then every now and again when he does you're just like god damn it i knew that was coming but it's still like it's hard like there's a scene where he beats up this like woman and i you're just like i don't want to watch that and it's not graphic per se it's just the way he acts it out and then there's other scenes where he's like looking at the daughter of the gregory that character and you're just like leave that little girl alone like just <laughs> you know what I mean like you're just you're slimy and you're scummy and I don't like you and you haven't really done much in the movie as far as you know violent activity goes uh, it's just the way you talk and the way you look and the way you carry yourself I don't want you anywhere near these innocent people so I, I was really impressed with it but if you have any interest in that movie whatsoever I highly recommend to watching it um, it is of its era so you prepared for that? Yeah, I think I've seen it, but it's been, like, forever. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I loved it. I was very, very happy I watched it, so... you never seen uh, To Kill a Mockingbird? No. Oh. I think I tried once, and isn't there, like, a kid in that with a really annoying voice, and I just had to turn it off? I think in the right movie. I mean, there is a kid in it. I don't find her annoying, but... Sure. I don't know, I... I think that's what happened was I just found the child so annoying that it, like after two minutes I'm just like nope <laughs> anyways yeah yeah, I cannot think of a movie I've seen Gregory Peck except this one uh, was he in The Omen? oh maybe wasn't he the priest maybe. I think? I don't know I'm not going to look that up because then I would have been wrong when I said my previous thing and I don't want to so that's why I am going to look it up while you're talking about Terrifier <laughs> okay <laughs> I, I really enjoyed Terrifier in 2016. It's the, it's, a, it's the killer clown movie that I did sit down and watch because it was only an hour and a half long. And uh, have you guys seen it? Uh, I've talked about it on the show. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a slasher movie. It's just a straightforward 80s slasher movie. They're like, hey, there's a killer clown. Look at him putting his makeup on. And then he spends the rest of the movie stalking the characters that we meet and killing them and there's no real plot no and it's just increasingly gruesome ways but it's not like it's not like the torture porn kind of no plot it's the slasher version of no plot Mm. which I enjoy and it's I don't know there's something with the way it's shot like it I can't imagine that it was but it looks like it was shot on film um and it's kind of dark and they kind of they know how to play up the camp just enough that the gore scenes don't feel 
over the top, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Cause there's like a couple of there's a couple of kill scenes that could have been out of like a hostile type movie, and you're just like, I don't, I don't like those types of movies necessarily. But they managed to have just enough of that clown doing something a little quirky during the scene that it makes it feel more like it's a traditional slasher film, even though there's probably more blood in this than there is in any Friday the Thirteenth. So I, I had a blast watching it, but I am a sucker for slashers. So yeah, I enjoyed it too. Like I said, just no plot. Clown follows a girl to an abandoned apartment building. Shit goes down. That's literally all yeah. you get. And I mean, they did a Kickstarter for the sequel, and yeah. raised like half a million dollars. So that should do it. I mean, that's about all they're going to need to make yep. a movie like this. Um, I definitely, as long as they get the guy that played the clown back, because his performance oh, yeah. is probably the most important thing about the movie. Yeah, he does a lot of weird shit, and it's like just the way he carries himself. There's obviously like the I think if, if you've even seen the trailers, the scenes where he's just like staring at people and it's super weird and creepy. But just the way he moves in the background of certain scenes and things like that, that I just like I don't, and I. I I know, I know it's not like a CGI character. I know it's him doing it. You can tell that by watching the movie. And part of that is just the fact that, like I say, it feels like it was shot on film and the fact that I know they clearly didn't have a budget for this. So. Yeah, weirdly enough, I mean, this character, his character's name is Art the Clown. He was in the movie All Hallows' Eve before this. Right, which I don't think I've seen. I haven't seen it either. Keep wondering if I should pull the trigger and watch it since I enjoyed Terrifier, but I uh, just haven't done it. So, I'm curious about that now. Maybe I will watch that one. Mm. Uh, anything else? Um. Well, I finally finished up Jessica Jones because we finally had enough time off in between shows. <laughs> I, I actually really liked it. I don't think we need to get into it. We've talked about it before on the show, mm. and I'm sad that that universe is fading away. Yeah. Um, I, I really liked a lot of what they did with. I think they did a great job of kind of advancing the existing characters in this season, and I would be very curious to see where they'd go from there. And it turns out they're going nowhere, so <laughs> doesn't nothing. matter what. I, yeah, turns out nothing's going to happen next. So that's that's frustrating to me. But what are you going to do? Yeah, it's just a bummer that they're because apparently they're already talking about doing a Daredevil movie and have it not connect anything at all to the Netflix stuff. Well, no, and, like, one of the villains from Luke Cage is the guy that was cast as Blade, right? Am I correct in that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, obviously, Marvel's not going to just be like, oh, those two coincidentally look a lot alike. They're clearly saying this. (laughs) They're they're putting the stamp down. That Netflix stuff doesn't count. And that means, you know, we're going to get another daredevil we're gonna get a different kingpin eventually and it's like fuck they nailed it though they finally got it they they did those characters in a way that I liked um I'd be curious to see like that Punisher interact with like other MCU characters and when we're gonna get that starts cussing up a storm it's like whoa whoa we don't talk like that around here well I mean you could (laughs) edit down the language for the purposes <laughs> of getting him into another show. Nah, but yeah, we'll see, between that, 
that and the Spider-Man going away. I'm just like, fuck. Uh, the MCU looks like it might be in trouble to me. <laughs> well, I just read that David Tennant's being eyed to play a villain in the next Doctor Strange movie, so... That makes sense. Yeah. Which is good, just, but again, Purple Man. So it's like, fuck. So yeah, it's, an, it's another nail in the coffin, but on the other hand, I kind of want to see him interacting with the Cumberbatch, so... Just British people should only fight other British people because I have a gun. Even if they're playing so, uh, Americans? Well, it's not relevant. Uh, anything else? Uh, I watched uh, Idle Hands from 1999. Oh, Because yeah? I remember seeing part of it way back then and thinking I should watch the rest of this and then... I don't know, 20 years later, I'm like, oh, I can finally get around to that. <laughs> So one um, just yeah, I don't all know. those first movies? It is, yeah. Um, and I don't know. It's I, There were elements of it that I thought were very funny. There's a lot of pop culture references that even I don't remember 1999 that well. So there's like, like I don't remember who Enya is. They dropped the name Enya, and I'm like, I don't know who it is. <laughs> um, the, like, I mean, the best part of it is the two kind of friends who are killed off and then yeah. become zombies because the tunnel to walk towards the light is just too long and they don't want to go <laughs> and it's, it's uh, Seth Green and the guy from Mighty Ducks that played Foggy in uh, the Daredevil series but I don't remember the actor's name they play those two guys and they're, I mean they're by far the best thing in this movie uh, the worst thing is probably the fact that you have Devin Sawa playing the main character and he's just he's not that good and it's like you're when on, you're, you're on notice Devin Sawa yeah, I'm really, I'm really showing him up, um, <laughs> and uh, it's just he's just surrounded by better people, which is unfortunate because it's hard to do. And the other thing is, like, he spends half the movie with a possessed hand, and the whole thing of his hand is doing its own thing, and he's trying to stop it. And it's like uh, we've seen that done before in a horror film, and specifically in a horror comedy, and. I don't think anybody else should ever try to do it again because you're going to find yourself being compared to Bruce Campbell and you're not going to be as good as Bruce Campbell. So why bother trying? Uh, it, it, you know. But I mean, there's some great stuff like when there's some great gore moments where he eventually lops the hand off and throws it in a microwave and tries to melt it and you're watching it like deteriorate and start popping pus and blood and stuff. You're like, That's disgusting. I enjoy, I enjoy watching that. There's a scene where, like, somebody's eye is cut out and a cat tries to eat it. Yeah. So funny, but dated a little. Yeah. That's about what I expected. Yeah. I probably should have watched it in 1999. I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more. <laughs> it has the offspring in it. That helps you understand what kind of movie it is. Which made me sad, because I just recently tried to buy offspring tickets. <laughs> Turns out that the show is uh, not at the time when I can go. So. Oh. Bummer. That's, that's just me bitching about something else going on in my life that has nothing to do with our movie talk. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Well, we've already talked about most of the other stuff I watch, except for one. And this other thing I watched is a complete travesty. Uh oh. And I know at least Noah's going to be pissed off about it when I explain everything. 
Mm. So, I watched uh, Batman Hush, the animated okay. movie. Have you watched this yet, Noah? Uh, I've not watched that one. Don't. Oh. The, uh, really? Batman Hush is probably one of my favorite modern Batman stories. I just really liked it. I really liked the villain. I liked sort of the setup. And they completely ruined it in this movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess spoiler for like a 16-year-old comic book series. but So Hush in the comics shows up, starts wreaking havoc on Batman's life. Um, all He gets all the big villains kind of come out. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we get a reveal that Hush could possibly be a revived Jason Todd which was like exciting at the time mm-hmm. and then we found out that was fake it was just Clayface fucking with Batman even more and uh I feel like that was a test to like what if we really did bring Jason Todd back which then they ended up doing but so in the comic you get all riled up like oh shit they did it and then oh no rug pulled out from under you never mind and then we find out who Hush actually is which is a character that's been, you know, sort of in the background of the series. And it turns out he knows all this shit about Batman because he's Bruce Wayne's, like, uh, childhood friend who he didn't know was completely jealous of him and hated him and his family because he got treated well and his family was a piece of shit. So he's held his animosity and then, you know, turned himself into a villain. It's fantastic. I loved it. Like, a really great, like, comic book series. So when they announced they were doing an animated movie, I was like, oh, sweet. You know, usually DC's pretty good about doing their animated movies, so I'm on board. So I was excited by this, that they announced they were doing the the animated movie, because usually DC does really well with their animated stuff. Um, And then, uh, I don't know. I don't know, like, who was in charge of this bullshit, but, you know, they kind of have, like, this animated cinematic universe going on right now. So all the stuff, like, is technically in continuity or whatever. Right. Um, but that really shouldn't have, aff- uh, have affected anything. But whoever was in charge completely fucked the story up. They, uh, they kill off Bruce Wayne's childhood friend halfway through the movie. So they're like, oh, well, it can't be can't be him he's dead to which at this point which i'm spoiling this movie because nobody should fucking watch it because it's travesty um at which point i was like oh well i don't know did did he like fake his death in the comic like i can't remember it's been a while since i read it so turns out they decided now we're gonna do a story where the riddler gets cancer uh, gets put into a Lazarus pit and comes out crazy and then decides to change his identity to Hush and fuck with Batman some more. The fuck? Exactly. That doesn't seem right. No. It was... I was I was so mad. I'm just like, what the fuck is this bullshit? Yeah, it literally makes no sense whatsoever. The story... It just, sounds really, like, almost disconnected, too. Like, there's almost like it's a different movie. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, but yeah, he's totally running around in the trench coat and the the bandaged face, like you know he does in the comic. And I'm just like, ah, oh, fuck. And then yeah, reveal. It's Riddler. And at first, I thought because they reveal, you know, the Riddler confesses to it, and they they reveal that oh, this is actually Clayface. So I'm like, oh, okay. Well, they switched up the Clayface part, made them think it was the Riddler. And then they kept going. And then it turns out it really is the Riddler. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck? So, yeah, it was very terrible. I was super pissed off. I wonder if the same guy made that decision that made the uh, having Batman have sex with Batgirl. Probably. Killing joke decisions. Sounds like it. Yeah. So that was fucking horrendous. And I was just like, this is complete garbage. And was so mad. So, don't watch it. Don't ever watch it. It's terrible. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Alright, so next week we continue Slater September. Uh, and we get a little dose of Stephen King at the same time. So we're going to be talking about the Christian Slater movie Dolan's Cadillac. Which I've never seen. So don't know about the quality of this one it's from 2009 it's yeah it doesn't oh. seem like it's going to be good okay and then uh, we're going to team that up with another Stephen King adaptation called Riding the Bullet directed by McGarris and with one uh, David Arquette playing the villain in the movie so I don't yeah I'm not going to watch that I'm going to watch Christine instead <laughs> I do what I want. Yeah. Everybody has to watch these movies. Feel free to watch Christine as well. <laughs> Christine may have been a better one to team it up with. Should have opened your mouth sooner. No, no, Brian, don't. Anything that happens in Slater September is on you because you did not even tell us we were doing Slater September until after <laughs> the shows were all set with the intros recorded. So. Yeah, well. It's going to be weird going into October. We don't have a theme picked out yet. I know. We're going to have to watch a bunch of horror movies. Yeah. That's going to be our theme. I was going to do that anyway, so I'm fine. Yeah, why not? Um, all right. So, Noah, you want to jump into spoilery It Talk from here forward? Sure. All right. So, you've been warned. If you still are going to go see It Chapter 2, spoilery from here forward. Spoilers. Walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enjoyed the spider clown. I thought that was yeah. enjoyable. Um, the fact that they decide to beat him by belittling him and that takes all oh. his power away was, was oh, not it's so good. bad. Oh my god, and him and him going, You're all grown up is the worst fucking line I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> I was like, Did you guys just really fucking do that in this movie? And he's like, I'm the eater of worlds. And they're like, no, you're not. You're just a clown. You're just a clown. And he starts, like, dehydrating. Right. In a, in a movie about standing up for yourself, they, they defeat the the evil thing by talking shit to it. Yeah. They're making it feel bad about itself. Are you guys fucking with me? Is this actually what happens? This That's is, how this the movie ends. I'm not, not joking in the slightest. That sounds pretty terrible. Cause it, it's really bad. Like, and it okay, comes so, at, and it comes at the end of a of a battle scene with a giant clown spider that's actually pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Because it sounds like it's like the Freddy Krueger thing of if I don't believe in you, you can't hurt me kind of thing. Sort it's of, just yeah. done really, really poorly is what it sounds like. Imagine it's more like it's more like literally they bully the clown to death. <laughs> yeah, imagine if Freddy was like a five-story clown spider and then <laughs> they start belittling him <clears throat> and he eventually shrinks down to like, you know, baby Freddy from Dream Child. Oh, yeah. And then they just reach in his chest and pull his heart out and squish it. Because that's what happens. So, yeah, that part was no bueno. That doesn't sound good at all. Yeah. I'm trying to justify it in my head, and I'm like, uh, no. I just no. should have found a cool way to kill it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. I thought it was, I thought it was interesting them making uh, Richie gay. Yeah, that's another thing I want to talk about. Um. So they make I mean, it, in the book, you know, they kind of there's a little bit of inference that Eddie might be gay. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's there in the 90s miniseries as well. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they make Richie gay and they make that one of the things that like Pennywise is taunting him about. He never comes right out and says it, but he says he'll start that he knows his dirty little secret or whatever. And then there's a later, there's a scene, a flashback to when he's younger at the arcade at the movie theater. And Bowers and his crew come in and start harassing him and dropping gay slurs all over the place. And he doesn't say anything, he just leaves. And then we see him as a kid, like, carve into this this uh, part of this bridge that if you look at the rest of it, it's like, you know, Katie plus Tom or whatever that bullshit so we see him carve into it we don't see what it is and at the end of the movie we see it's R plus E inferring that he was in love with Eddie when he was younger and, like I don't have a problem with all that stuff the, the big problem is they I feel like this was a decision a decision they made after the first movie so there's like really no setup for it right outside of this movie which I feel like they kind of try to shoehorn some stuff in and it just doesn't work it seems weird to me too though like the clown is like in the in 2019 the clown is threatening to out him as gay to his friends is that what i'm understanding yeah but i feel like like we said before he he feeds on their fear and if it's something that richie is afraid of he's using that against them to make him more afraid which is fine whatever it seems weird i it seems weird to me though that like this that is he'd be so weirded out by mm-hmm. coming out to his friends. Yeah. Like unless there's something that sets up that they're like they're they're like all members of this like anti gay church and he's like, Oh shit. <laughs> yeah, right. That's 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 the other thing I forgot about Derry. Um everybody hears everybody here is part of our friend Phelps' church is gone. <laughs> That's that. That's the part I think would be weird to me is the idea that yeah, like if Clown's going to let it out of the bag that he's gay. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Again, it's 2019. The only people in the sewer with you are your friends, or sewer or haunted house, wherever they're having this fight. <laughs> it's like. Um. So, like I said, I don't have a problem with the actual gay part, but I feel like there was no setup for it to him to be in love with Eddie. If they would have changed it to make it stand. I maybe could have understood that a little bit more. 
because rewatching the first one, they're constantly like going back and forth with each other, which him and Eddie kind of do too. But then there's a scene where uh, Stan's at his bar mitzvah, whatever, and Richie was the only one of that group of friends who showed up to it. So I feel like there's just some, maybe just like a tinge more like built into that relationship than him and Eddie. Whereas I feel like it was just like, ah, oh, what if we make Richie in love with Eddie and we just throw it in the movie and there was no. There's nothing to back it up out of the first movie. So I feel well, like it was a sound like it's, add-on. Does it doesn't sound like it's that relevant either. It, it's not. I mean, it's it's something between their characters, but I mean, like I said, there's no setup to it. It doesn't seem like it really affects the relationship all that much. Right. I, I, the the problem is is so in the book and kind of in the original miniseries part of the whole thing is it's it's their the fact that that group is so tight right and Mm -hmm. and that their bond with each other is so strong that's what actually gives them the ability to fight back against this thing Mm -hmm. and having something like that would have been great if it had been something that like came up in the movie and let them all get closer you know what I mean Yeah, because that's what that's what I didn't get about this fucking movie. It should have been about the group coming back together after all this time and, you know, kind of like not being a unit anymore and happening to refine that connection that made them all work together so well. And instead, they did the thing that supposedly they were breaking it into two movies so that they wouldn't be doing all these weird fucking flashbacks and shit. And instead, this movie is all fucking them wandering around by themselves having flashbacks, which is makes the first movie pointless. Just fucking just get rid of that first movie. Yeah. There's rumors he wants to do a supercut with everything edited together, oh. more like the book where it's kind of jumping back and forth. What I read today was that he would want to film new scenes for it to add in as well. And the, yeah. the run, the runtime of that supercut would be like seven hours and some yeah. new stories. I'd be, I'd be fine out of curiosity. I would That'd be great. No, if they change a seven hour movie. Well, you don't have to sit through it. You can just break it up into pieces. Well, in that case, why make it into supercut? Because I want them to Doug. Well, I don't. Um, and then the other thing that me and Wes were talking about after we, got done watching the movie is they can't just leave Stanley to be scared and kill himself Uh, he has to have like this redemptive thing at the end where of course after everything's done they all get a letter from that Stan's wife mailed out because he asked her to in his suicide note it basically said like "Um, I knew that that if we all weren't on same page and the united front that uh, we would lose and I was too scared to, to do that so I just took myself off the board by killing myself so hopefully that helped you guys and I'm like that's stupid yeah and that seems to contradict like uh, I, I mean it depends on I guess how else they change the character but it seems to contradict the character from all of the reincarnations of the story. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that. No. Like, one of the big problems I had with the first one, like, I feel like there just wasn't, uh, as much as he may say different, I don't feel like there was a big plan between both movies. Like, they didn't, like, map it out, like, how 
everything would you know project into the next movie obviously with richie being gay as i mentioned earlier like one of the things i didn't like about the first one is they show bev being like super super uh strong and stuff and she's actually one that could hurt it like when they're in the house the first time and she shoves the the fence post like through his head and everything and then in like a couple minutes later they just turn her into oh she got kidnapped so now she's a damsel in distress and I'm just like, oh, well, that's kind of dumb. So, for me, I'm just like, well, they should have had that Stanley was the one that got kidnapped. And, you know, looked into... Because they make a thing where she looked into the deadlights and stuff. And, you know, she's had problems ever since then or something. So, I feel like they should have had Stanley be that person. And then when he finds out, yeah, like, yeah, it's back. He is so terrified because he's seen all that stuff and been, like, connected to it. That he's just like is like fuck no, it just kills him. So but, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, see that, that would have made more sense. Mm-hmm. No. I'm trying to think. One of the changes I did like, I like the fact that they uh, they didn't fridge Mike in this version. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a pretty awesome, I, awesome. scene I was where- gonna say. I've always felt a little bad about that, and I was like, really, yeah. they take the black character out? Like that's mm-hmm. the one? Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a pretty awesome scene where uh, Eddie gets attacked by by Bowers first, and Bowers full on stabs him in the cheek, so like the blade of the knife like is in his actual mouth, and then Eddie just like <laughs> sort of freaks out and then like hides in the tub behind the shower curtain, and then just pulls the knife out of his cheek and stabs the dude right in the chest. I was like, that's pretty fantastic. Yeah, I really, I think of all of the characters, the one that they did better than they've done in other, in the other version, and maybe even in the book, is is Eddie's arc. Yeah. Of of them pointing out that, yeah, Eddie's a coward, but Eddie's also the strong one. Mm-hmm. Like, if you really stop and think about it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a good scene between Bill Hader and him later when Eddie's like freaking out saying I can't do this and <laughs> Richie just runs down the list like who's the guy who killed a clown a killer clown before he was 14 who's the guy that got stabbed in the face and then pulled the knife out of his own cheek and stabbed the guy in the chest with it it's like you're braver than you think you are right and Doug did you ever read the book Doug yeah a long time ago though well one of the things I liked is that uh, so in the book they talk about Eddie's mother, and then they show, you know, adult Eddie, and they basically infer that he just married somebody who was exactly like his mother. Right. So in the movie, uh, he had his mother, and then adult Eddie basically married someone just like his mother, so they just had the same actress play his wife, and just changed her look up a little bit. It's kind of weird. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Yeah, they did a lot of weird stuff. I feel like the the fact that they didn't bring in the uh, Bev's uh, abusive husband mm-hmm. didn't show up in Derry. That was weird. Yeah, he didn't show Bill's, up in many series. Once again, I, I that's such a fucking weird decision in a movie that they just pile in random side kills for no fucking reason. You know what I mean? just to have an excuse to have the clown show up why not do that one like that's the kill that everybody actually wants they want the abusive prick to get fucking dead you know what I mean Mm -hmm. Uh, and 
glossing over Bill's wife. Oh, yeah. In that yeah. whole part of the story, although they kind of got rid of the whole they all float down here thing and exchanged it for weird deadlight levitation stuff. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah, Bill's wife, they did, yeah, they did absolutely nothing with that. They're just like, eh. Don't need that part. I will say, I did think everybody was really good in the role. I just wish they could have fleshed out the characters more. I I thought the, the dude who played Mike was a little weak. Yeah, I guess. But I feel like Mike didn't get enough to do in the first movie, so there wasn't much right. for him to build on. And then, did you think the whole the, them changing the, the ritual of Chewed <laughs> as much as they did, that it was almost kind of fucking weird? Yeah, but I don't know like how you fit that into the movie without it coming off weird anyway. I don't know. You leave it out. <laughs> like they did last time, I mean. Yeah. I just feel like they need something that they can hang on to to go kill Pennywise. But I just I don't know what that would be. Right. So. I just thought it was weird them working in the whole thing where Mike's been lying to him the whole time. Yeah. And that the ritual didn't work, you know. Yeah, it's like mm, weak, weak it's storytelling. Weird. One of one of the things I thought they were going to do, since they brought up the whole that Richie hasn't out of himself yet, is that he throws because they all have to go find this artifact or whatever for each of them. It's like a sentimental like sacrifice type nonsense you know, MacGuffin thing that they have to do. And, uh, I just feel like what I thought was going to happen is they were going to do the ritual and they're like, oh, it didn't work. Why didn't it work? And then that it was going to turn out that Richie's real artifact wasn't the token. It was the fact that he would, you know, hadn't come out of the closet yet to everybody. I mean, that kind of would have been dumb too, but it would have been better. I just, yeah, they don't, it's just weird that how they seem like they were setting something up for that. And he never, like, through the end of the movie, never reveals to anybody that he was gay. Or right. So. Just a weird thing to put in there and not follow. Yeah, the follow through on most stuff was bad. <laughs> like I said, they threw it in the, the thing. Once again, the, uh, the tone of the movie was all off, mostly because of all those weird so the little girl getting eaten underneath the bleachers, mm-hmm. that's, that was pretty fucking cool. I that dug cool. that. I was, I was like, all right, that's a good uh, good reintroduction to Pennywise. You know what I mean? It is. And it was really good, like, oh, yeah, this makes sense from the last movie. Like, this is this is just a continuation of what he was doing in the last movie. Completely makes right. sense. But then... Bill trying to chase down that kid at the fair and going into like the the house of mirrors and the kid getting eaten and stuff. I was like that. It's it's worthless. It does nothing. Like I get it. I get it that it's supposed to be him happening to like lose another like child to the the clown or something like that. And it's like, but you could have done that a fucking million ways. Yeah. Although I did like that kid in the Chinese restaurant. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. There's this awesome scene, Doug, where. So they do the the Chinese restaurant scene from the miniseries in the book, yep. where they you know get to know each other, and then they have the fortune cookies, and then shit goes crazy, and then they're walking out, and this kid goes uh, comes up to Richie, and it's just like, 
hey Richie uh, fun's just started right and, and Richie's looking at him like holy shit this f- fucking clown's trying to mess with me so he grabs the kid by the arm and he's just like I'm not I'm not afraid of you and just like cussing him out and everything yeah fuck, kid, fuck you clown yeah fuck you <laughs> and the kid just looks at him he's like dude that's from your act I'm a fan <laughs> and Bill Hader just that's stops funny. and stares at him and there's like a beat and he looks up and you see the kid's parents coming that way and he's like is that your parents and he's like yeah he's like oh do you want a picture or and the kid's like no I'm good and just like walks away from <laughs> that sounds pretty funny <laughs> it was great Bill Hader's fantastic that's what seems to be the universal praise of the movie yeah. is that he's great this is a great scene because they do the uh, the clubhouse which they didn't do in the first movie and have never didn't do in the miniseries the one where they like dig out this clubhouse in the in the woods and put a door on it and shit so they're in there they're all just looking around at shit and then you hear <laughs> hear like off out of this dark corner like oh do you want to float and then it comes it's Richie comes walking out of the darkness and everybody, and he, just the way he says it, he's like, huh, you remember when he used to say that shit? And he did a little dance, and he does, like, the little dance and stuff, and everybody's just like, fuck you, Richie, you just scared the shit out of us. It's just, his, his reactions are just fantastic. Were you a little disappointed that they didn't do the, uh, the Steam Shack thing? Oh, yeah, they kind of... I th- Yeah, I thought, I thought, especially after, uh after Bill has the hallucination when Mike drugs him, mm-hmm. that he was going to be like, I have to show everybody. And so they were going to go into the sweat lodge yeah. and do it again and have everybody trip balls. I figured that was their way of replacing it. So like, we're just going to dose Bill with a root of some sort. Some mumbo-jumbo nonsense. Yeah. I mean, I like the fact that they kept the, uh, you know, that Pennywise is actually a weird, evil space god thing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he's this has been under Derry the like forever. Well, not forever, just a couple million years. Right. I like the the fact that they managed to work in turtle references too. If you watch, the turtle pops up every once mm-hmm. in a while. Yeah, they just, they just never explicitly say that one. Yeah, which probably would not have worked very well visually. <laughs> right trying to explain it to Amanda I'm like there's a lot of just like existential stuff in the book that you just kind of read and it works with the book but yeah. if you put it up on screen it would just be ridiculous so you're like yeah so there's a there's a giant godlike space turtle that threw up the world and then the spider landed on it and the turtle doesn't like the spider but for some reason the turtle can't fight the spider directly and then a bunch of time passes and apparently the turtle died and it's not really explained what happened to the turtle and you guys think that would be difficult to fit into a movie (laughs) yeah especially in the middle of this hey there's a demonic clown eating people but let's stop to talk about this weird space turtle for a while yeah so if you need backstory so yeah, I don't know. I'm coming. I'm coming back around. Maybe on Doug's side, it might be good just to wait till uh, Netflix to give it a watch. Yeah, like like I said, it's so so I I think I could have forgiven the tonal stuff and uh, some of the weird decisions they made 
if the ending had been good, but the ending sucks. Yeah. Like it's not it's not just a not good ending. It's a bad ending of a movie. It's bad. There's a pretty awesome thing reference though, Doug. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so they go into the to the house again, which I know is your favorite part, the, the part when my favorite thing is that they keep keep going back to the same place, yeah. yeah. Um and uh the, the fridge opens up. You know how last time Pennywise was in the fridge and he like contorts out? Yeah. This time it's the, the body of the dead child version of Stanley. And then uh, his head comes off and rolls across the ground and then says a bunch of shit and then spider legs sprout out of his head and he starts crawling around. And uh, I don't remember who says it, but someone just like, you gotta be fucking kidding. And then of course they fight. I thought that was pretty yeah. cool. Um... Did you get the uh, the best uh, the best joke, like the long take for a joke in this movie? Yeah, uh, which one? Well, the scary, very scary, not scary. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So Doug, since you just rewatched this, you'll enjoy this. So in the first one, you know the the three doors pop up, not scary, very scary, blah blah blah. And they open up the one, and it's just, like, half of the girl. And Richie Richie yells out, like, where's her legs? And they slam the door and then run off. So this one, they're in a similar situation. The three doors pop up again. And Richie's like, ah, he's just fucking with us. So they open up another door. And it's just, like, a... Looks like a long closet. And then you just hear tap, tap, tap. And then someone... <laughs> a pair of legs, like, just legs come running into view. It says like, "Where's my shoe?" And then he like freaks out and just like slams the door. And I was like, "That's twenty-seven years for a joke to pay up." Oh my god! Although, and then they go to the uh, not scary at all door, and that that's delightful. (laughs) It's like a little Pomeranian, and they're like, "No, don't trust it. He's fucking with us." But it is kind of cute, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, it's clearly dangerous." You're right, but it is cute though. And they're sitting there like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, of course, it goes, and it turns into like this horrible mal-shapen dog werewolf thing. <laughs> Although it's like melted looking. I'm trying to. Oh, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the Twilight Zone movie of almost like the cartoon wolf thing. Oh yeah. Good know. times. Random. All right, you got anything else you want to throw out about it? Chapter two. Uh, no, I think that's it. It's kind of weak. You might want to just wait on it. Mm. That's a little sad. At least you have the first part that was pretty good. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.